Once again, let's go on a journey. This whole series, we've been telling stories about Venture Church's 10 years. Uh, where were you on September 14th, 2018? Does anybody remember what happened that day? Hurricane Florence made landfall at Riceville Beach. Yeah, it's been five years. And that was a pivotal time for our church family, for our city at large, for our region. It's hard to believe it was five years ago this past week. Um, the storm surge subsequently caused so much flooding uh, in Wilmington to the point where Wilmington was an island for a little while. How many of you were on that island? You were stuck in Wilmington. Uh, some of you guys, first responders, were like, we're working. Um, like, so yeah, most of us got out of Dodge. Uh, I was on vacation with my family, and I remember we were in Charlotte at a hotel, probably on the 12th or 13th, and in the lobby, they're like, there's a hurricane that might hit North Carolina. And I remember, I remember someone going, it's probably not going to be a big deal. <laughs> hey, we're not good at that decision. Um, and so it was just, it, it, it was so crazy to see that uh, there was panic in the city. If you were here, there was the idea, like, we're going to run out of food, we're going to run out of gas. Uh, it, but we were out of town, we were at my in-law's house, and it was wild to watch um, on national news, our city streets, places that I recognized, things at Carolina Beach and Wrightsville Beach, not even knowing how bad it was in Pender County and what was going on in Burgall and there. The news cameras weren't there, right? And it was crazy. And all I could think was, I got to get home to my people. And so I remember being on the phone with some of our leadership, and we split up our whole church family into like four or five groups. And we're like, we got to call everybody. After the storm passed, we called everybody that we had a phone number for, and we just check out. How are you? Are you okay? Is everything going okay? Can we do anything to help you? And when we discovered two or three little issues that needed to be dealt with, and I remember how cool it was to be like, hey, I remember, I remember uh, that Jonathan Witherspoon was able to go and help Willie Holmes, and I just remember like, calling him, like, hey, can you go help Willie? He needs help. He's like, I'm there, right? And so that was, that was like a, a moment for our church family. Like, we're only five years old at that point. Can we step up to the challenge of being the church? And we did, but in the process, we found out that two families had it much worse. The Zimmerman family and the Sanders family had their houses destroyed in flooding. What do we do? Well, the water was high still, and we had to wait for it to, to, to go down. But as soon as the city was open, uh, we, we, we got on the way into town. I remember I got on the phone with my buddy, Matt Dahmer, who's the preacher at Cape Fear Christian Church. And uh, we've done so many things together as a church family. Our church actually began in the living room of a parsonage they used to own. And so... And we were like, what are we going to do? We're small churches, but this is a big deal. How do we make sure we step up to the challenge? And we both committed to each other on the phone. We're going to do this. We're going to rally our church families together. We're going to love this city. We're going to be on the front lines as Christians doing what Christians ought to do. And so I remember having those conversations, hitting the town. And, and, and as soon as we got here, it was like the water had come down enough that uh, it, by now it was Saturday. And we got on the phone with a lot of people. And we're like, guys, the Zimmermans need help. So we went to the Zimmermans' house. And I remember going into their homes. And who was at the Zimmermans' house that day? Just ripping out walls, tearing up carpets, pulling out everything. Uh, there's a picture of me that I found. I went through a bunch of pictures this week. And, and I was like under their counter and I was like pushing the, the dishwasher out. And that's like, that was the first of, I can't tell you how many homes that I was involved in mucking out after that. Mucking out, a word that we use. To go into a house and basically rip out the drywall four feet and down and everything comes out. And it was this weird spirit happening at the house because there was some somehow simultaneously two big emotions were happening the first one was obviously devastation you're just like oh my goodness and it wasn't just the Zimmermans I remember as their pile went bigger and bigger in the front yard I remember their neighbors piles getting bigger and bigger in the front yard and like all of their worldly possessions are just going outside and it was just like oh my goodness I'm choking up right now thinking about it but then simultaneously there was this other weird thing Joy was happening too. Does anybody remember that too? 
there was a lot of laughing. There wasn't a lot of crying. There wasn't a lot of pity. I think we all recognize these are just physical things. And I think we also realize, like, guys, we are going to be with you until you get back in your house. And we were. And so I remember that uh, in the midst of all that, it's wild. I was actually writing this sermon Thursday, which was the 14th. Uh, the 14th is also my son's birthday, so I often associate the 14th with that instead. And so I wasn't even thinking about Hurricane Florence, and I was like, when was Hurricane Florence? Do, 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 do. And I realized I was writing this story on the five-year anniversary, and so I went back to my Google Photos, and I started looking through pictures, and then I lost it. I was sitting in my office, which is right through this wall. I haven't had an office in 12 years. <laughs> and I was sitting right over there, and I just lost it, guys. I was choked up because I, I want to show you a picture I found. Let me show you this first picture, this lady right here. Mm. Okay, if you don't know, let me tell you. This is Jill Sanders. This is at the Zimmerman's house, and she is pushing a wheelbarrow full of all kinds of crud. (laughs) And look how happy she looks. In this moment, her house was underwater in Bergal. This is how you love people. (laughs) Uh, The water had not receded enough in Bergal to get out there, uh, and so we had to wait. They didn't even know. I remember talking to them that day. I was like, how bad is it? They're like, we don't know. If you've ever been to Burgal, you know that, you know, nobody knows what happens in Burgal. So, so <laughs> you just, and so we just had to wait. And so that was Saturday, and we were all gathering around the AMC movie theater where we uh, were meeting at the time. I had called me and said, we, we can't be there. There's roof damage, um, and, and we, we just can't be um, in that. It's not time for this picture, but now you can look at it. Um, you, can look, uh, you can't be in church um, uh, on Sunday, and so we were like, cool, 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 but we were all together on Saturday. We're like, well, guys, let's, let's gather together and worship tonight. So we called Cape Fear Christian Church. Their auditorium was available, and a bunch of us met out there. I think it was like 30 or 40 people were able to get it at Cape Fear Christian Church, and we just had like a little acoustic worship. I think Aaron and Carly or something sang some songs, and we, but this was cool because I remember I, I didn't have a sermon. Like, I, I, what do you talk about? So I gave some little devotional about this bush I found in my yard after the storm. I remember it. It was actually, the bush is still there. Um, that's a that's a good bush. Um, and, uh, and then we just kind of sat around and we were like, okay, let's talk. Like, what does everybody need? Where are you? How are your neighbors? Um, how's your house? How's everything going? And so we decided, okay, once we've got a list of things, I remember hearing that, like, that Willie still had some work needed. I remember Angela Carter, she was like, man, I think there's like shingles missing off my roof and there's like a tree that's about to fall on my house. And there was like all these things that were going on. And so we're like, okay, cool. So tomorrow, since the AMC can't let us in and the the church right now does not need to be gathering in a building and looking at a screen or a stage. We need to be out and hands and feet of Jesus. Let's just go, right? And so, so we, just, we just went. Uh, and everybody had their own chainsaw. I remember it was, the, it was the week of the chainsaw. And we just went. And so we gathered at the AMC movie theater. You can go back to that picture now. This is the group that showed up first. Um, and and uh, actually a lot more joined us at the different locations. I think we split into like three or four teams. And we just went. And I remember being on Angela's roof and like putting a tarp up there. And I remember a bunch of guys, everyone had a chainsaw. So we're like, what can we ch- chop down? And so um, we got this, this tree away from her house. And I remember Errol, who was almost 80 years old at the time. If you know Errol, I think I'm going to talk about him some next week. Uh, but I remember Errol like pulling this rope. And, he, and he's like, I'm like, Errol, please let go of the rope. <laughs> I can't save you and the house. Uh, but then Errol just stepped away and he put his hands on us and he just prayed over us while we were pulling the rope and it was cool. Um, man, like what does the church do? What does the church do when people have needs? Um, we're in this teaching series right now uh, called Walking in the Light. And as we approached this 10th anniversary, which is next Sunday. I didn't want to just fly by it 
and, and just be like, you know, if you've ever had a birthday and you like kind of forgot it was your birthday till midnight the night before, or like it's halfway through the day and someone's like, happy birthday, I saw it on Facebook, you're like, it's my birthday? Oh, right? We, we easily do that with anniversaries and things, but 10 years, guys, 10 years is a big, big deal. And so we want to take this whole month. So every week this month, I've just been just looking at lessons I personally learned from our church family and applying them to us. And so in the first week, God, God in his infinite uh, provision and sense of humor, <laughs> decided that we were going to start this series and have two major events back-to-back in the first two weeks. I did not plan that. I planned something way, way less cool. Um, and so week one was our final week at the YMCA. And in that week, we talked about the big lesson that we learned that Jesus transforms lives. So I just got to tell stories about the amazing life change that we've seen through our church family and, and what God has done through that. Last week was another amazing week. It was our first week in our brand new building after 10 years of being mobile. And we got to talk about the idea that we're here to build the kingdom of God. Our little catchphrase is that we can take pockets of heaven with us everywhere that we go. And every believer is building the kingdom where they go in their actions and their words and everything that they do. And this week, as we get into uh, some more teaching, I couldn't think of a more fitting lesson, and it's probably a lesson that I've learned almost more than anything else. It's also been the theme of multiple men's and women's retreats, and I'm wearing a t-shirt today that says the phrase that we are stronger together. I don't know if we saw that any more truly than in the aftermath of Hurricane Florence, or when a few of us have lost loved ones. Or when people have babies and there's just magically a meal train that people bring food to your house. Or when we buy a building that people haven't uh, worked on in a long time and we got to tear down all the walls and build new ones. Or when we hold a trunk or treat that's to benefit people in foster care and adoption. And hundreds of people from our city rally around it. Or when we as a community start a nonprofit called DART ILM. That in the aftermath of Hurricane Florence, our church started that. We co-founded it with Cape Fear Christian Church. People donated hundreds of thousands of dollars. Hundreds of volunteers came from all over the country, uh, Virginia and North Carolina, all over North Carolina, Illinois, Illinois, Michigan, New York, Maryland, uh, let's see, where else, Ohio, um, I think Indiana. We partnered with a group called IDES, International Disaster Emergency Services, and they provided us with these sheds that we built all over Pender County. You ride up and down uh, Pender County up Highway 53, and then, or is it 58? What's out there? And then you go uh, into White Stocking Road and this whole community out in White Stocking, and, and, and their houses were literally underwater. And when you ride down White Stocking Road, it's just like shed, 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 built by Dart ILM. And though many of us from our church have actually stepped away from that. We're actually, they were established 501c3 with the government, and they are still writing grants for people to this day to recover from Hurricane Florence. I was in a meeting recently where I had no idea I was sitting next to the mayor of Bergal, and a great lady that I was sitting next to, and I found out who she was and what she did. I was like, ah, man, I've spent so much time up here. I was out on White Stocking Road, and she goes, oh, you were doing hurricane stuff. I was like, yeah. She goes, yeah, that was terrible. She said, well, who are you serving with? I said, we were serving with a group called DART ILM. That's Disaster Assistance Relief Teams of Wilmington. And uh, she said, DART? You know DART? I said, well, we, we kind of are DART. And she goes, oh, my goodness, we love DART ILM. Will you please tell your church family thank you? We're stronger together. When God created us, he created us to live in community. In fellowship with each other. You're not meant to do this. Early on in our church, we constantly use the phrase, no one should venture alone. And it's, it's important to have community and fellowship. It's important in a practical way. 
I mean, like someone needs to be a lumberjack and someone needs to be a construction worker that builds with that wood and someone needs to buy the wood to keep the economy going, right? This is how these things work. Someone needs to be a dentist. Someone needs to be an emergency room doctor. Someone needs to be a first responder. Someone needs to be a third grade teacher. We need all of these different things in a practical way. It's just we all, that's why God gives us all different gifts and talents so that we can go and make the world what it is because of that. It's true in a practical way. It's also true emotionally. Like, do you have like your people, your people that you go to when you're hurting? Like, we need each other. We're stronger together emotionally. If, if you're a New York Giants fan this week, <laughs> do you need to talk about it? Just let me know. Um, and, and from the Dallas Cowboys organization, we're sorry about that. It's true emotionally. It's true spiritually. We're stronger together. Spiritually, we need each other. Because, guys, it's just too hard by yourself. You, you weren't created to do it by yourself. You can't do it by yourself. That's why God comes along you. When you, when you accept Jesus, that's why he comes alongside you and says, I'm going to give you the gift of my spirit, my Holy Spirit, who's going to come and give you the strength and the power and even the knowledge sometimes and the answers sometimes to what you need. We're stronger together. And so what I want to do today is I want to go back to the very beginning of the church. We're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 2. And if you've got a Bible today, go ahead and open it up. It's going to be in your New Testament of your Bible. So if your Bible has kind of like, uh, in, in the back one-third of the Bible is the New Testament. This is the life and teachings of Jesus, and it's the story of the early church, and the apostles wrote some letters. And so that's what the New Testament is. And the book of Acts is actually, if all the books of the Bible are like a library of books, and some of them are poetic and songs, and some of them are instructive, some of them are history books, and the book of Acts is really a history book. It's the history of just the first generation of the church. And when you hit Acts chapter 2, what we find is a brand new blossoming church. Now, it's already thousands big because many of these people had already been hearing about and following Jesus. And so when the apostles come forward with the message that, like, we're starting a movement, we're going to change the world, the Holy Spirit's moving. The Holy Spirit does some incredible things. You can read it in, in the earlier part of Acts chapter 2. Um, but Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42, we're going to land on the, uh, the, the beginning moments of the church and, like, how did they function? What did they do? And I hope that it's a little bit shocking and a little bit surprising when you compare the early church to the modern church. Because I think we, we, we master in a lot of other things uh, that we really put higher on the categories than the early church did. As a church, we're committed to trying our best to maintain those early church values. Um, but let's look at it. This is what they did. Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42. They, the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. Let's pause right there for a second because I love this phrase. They had everything in common. So we're not talking about some sort of social utopia like some people have tried to build. and It's like everyone just is happy all the time. It wasn't that. It says that they agreed on what the essentials were, what the things they were going to major in were, and they decided, we're going to, we're going to take care of this. So let's explain, like, what, what does it mean for them to have everything in common? It keeps going in the next verse. It says, so what they do? They sold property, and they sold their possessions, and they gave the proceeds of that to anyone who had need. And every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts they were worshiping. And they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts and praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord, I love this sentence, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
And so the church just begins to grow exponentially, and they're keeping it really simple. And I love this picture of the early church. This is before centuries of tradition and denominational splits, and people can't agree on anything. And it's just like, well, we're just going to go take our ball and go play over here by ourselves. They're like, look, 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 we got some foundational, fundamental, crucial things, and we're going to focus on these things. And among those is that we will work together to take care of one another, and we will work together to look out for the needs of those around us so that they can know the Lord. And so what I want to do is I want to take some time to unpack these four core ideas. Let's just review the four core ideas real quick. The four core ideas were that they met together for the apostles' teaching, and for the breaking of bread, and for prayer. And as they came together, they said, we are going to do these three things. The apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, and prayer. And now, uh, we're not going to like spend a lot of time treating all of them, but I kind of just want to talk about a few of them quickly. First, the apostles' teaching. So back in the book of Acts, an interesting thing is going on here. Uh, like, so when we want to study what God wants for us, uh, what's the first place we might look? The Bible. Yeah, so some of you brought paper Bibles. You're looking up on your phone. If you've got the YouVersion app, you've got like hundreds of versions of the Bible. These people don't have a Bible, Okay. Like, not to say that the, the Jewish people didn't have scripture, but it's not like everybody had a Bible in their pocket or even in their home, many of them even in their villages, okay? So for them to understand what God wanted from them, they have to go to a teacher, to a rabbi of some kind, maybe find themselves in temple worship if they make their all the way down to Jerusalem or something like that. So where do they learn this thing? I love that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So this is what's really cool. When Jesus is forming his little movement, he gets these closest uh, compadres with him, and he just begins to let them walk around with him for three years. He's like just showing them stuff. And I know there are moments where they're in the marketplace and somebody tries to cheat them. And the, the disciples who are with him at the time that then become the apostles, they're watching Jesus manage that transaction. Does he flip out? Does he lose his mind? Is he cool and calm? Is he rationalize? Like what does he do? How does he work in that situation? Thank you, Caleb. Um, That answers the question. Every week at our church for 10 years, we've changed the batteries every single week. Every single week. And I was like, these are new last week. The rule stays the same. We change the batteries every week. Everybody agree? All in favor? All right. All right. So... And so what was I talking about? I don't know. The apostles. So the apostles, the apostles, here's the deal. They don't have a, a printed Bible, okay? They, but, but how do they learn? Well, Jesus travels around with these people and teaches them everything. He goes through Old Testament teachings. He goes through Ezekiel and Isaiah and the beginning stories of Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus. He explains all these things. And so then as the new church begins, these people are now trained in what they should teach. So what does the early church focus on? They learn the apostles' teachings. And so instead of opening uh, to Peter's book, well, there's Peter. And they're like, Peter, what did, what did Jesus say about how we should treat people who, who do this to us? And he was like, well, man, when I was in Jesus, this is what he said. And they got to hear from James what to do. Like, man, we got a budget for our family. Like, what should we do? And he's like, well, Jesus really talked a lot about generosity. Let's talk about what treasures in heaven look like. And they get to listen to, let's talk about Thaddeus. We don't talk about Thaddeus enough, right? What did Thaddeus learn from Jesus? You know what I mean? And so they're, 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 they're committed to the apostles' teaching. They're committed to the breaking of bread. What is that? I, I think there's kind of like two levels of breaking of bread, and I think this probably means both of them. One of them is just 
eating together. Like, I think I might be having lunch with Perry later today. We're going to hang out. We're going to eat some food. That's breaking bread. It's fellowship. It's being together. You know that nothing breaks down walls better than eating food together. Like, that's just how, that's how breaking bread. But I think it also has to do with this special breaking of bread that the early church began to do every week, which was what we call communion. Specifically a meal that just says, hey, we are, we are recognizing the Lord's death until he comes. There's the body and the bread that's broken. I'll talk about that later. Because as a church, we, we do communion every single week because we want to be committed to the things that the early church was committed to. And so that's what they did. The fellowship, uh, the, the, the apostles teaching, the breaking of bread, and, and prayer. Prayer. And, and it's amazing that like the top four things, fellowship, the apostles teaching, the breaking of bread, and prayer, that prayer is in the list. You know what's not on the list? Quality worship. Uh, children's ministry, uh, like community events, um, branding and graphics, websites, and cool t-shirts once or twice every year or so, right? And so, but prayer, top four. Why? Well, prayer is like our most direct access to the Father. Jesus taught on it a lot. He's a good Father who's going to give his children good gifts, who, as a father, if their child asks for a fish, is going to give them a snake or a rock? No. And our father who loves you much more than you could possibly love your kids is going to give you what you need. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And so they go to them. They say, listen, we've got sick people in our church. I'm going to lift them up. I'm going to pray for them. We've got needs in our community. We're going to lift them up and pray for them. We're hearing about other church families around the corner. We're going to pray for them. Top four. Isn't that wild? Okay, so I'm not going to like do a lot on those. What I want to focus on is that first one. The apostles devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Fellowship. Because the lesson I really want to highlight is the idea that we are stronger together. At the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, that was like the first time there was a church sermon. Peter preaches it. The Holy Spirit comes out. It's an amazing moment in church history. It's like the starting date. It was more exciting than last week in our new building. I mean, it was so exciting. 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus that day and were baptized. It's amazing, right? Amazing thing. And then they didn't say, all right, cool, y'all are good. Now go be off by yourself. <laughs> go back to your homes and just carry on. No. No, then they began to meet regularly in the temple courts to pray and worship together. Then they began to break bread together. The early church didn't have buildings like this. They met when we read through the apostles' writings, especially the apostle Paul as he writes. He talks to specifically, like, speak to the household of so-and-so. Tell the household of so-and-so. Because it is the people that are meeting in these houses, in these different areas. We're stronger together. And that's the model that the early church sets for us. Let's look again at Acts chapter 2, verse 44 through 47. It says, all the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold their property and their possessions to give to anyone who had a need. And every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know why I think the daily thing happened? Man, because it was so easy just to see the change in these people's lives. Because, man, you're having, this is first century Jewish culture. Man, these are the most hospitable, party-having people in history, maybe. And so the neighbors are next door like, what y'all doing? It's like, come on over, man. We're just having a fellowship meal. Come hang out with us. And then all of a sudden, like, the attitudes of these people are different. It's like, man, didn't, man, I remember you. Man, you're just acting differently. Why? Well, let me tell you what happened in my life with Jesus. And the testimony of these people just begins to spread. And it happens because they were committed to being together and doing this work together. But we live in a society that is not really for together. It's weird because we somehow simultaneously live in two worlds. We live in the most connected world in all of history. 
Okay, like you can get on and I can find friends from high school. That I just think about them real quick and I can go find them. I can learn about like their property records and like whether or not they've been in and out of prison, how many times that was. I can see, like find them on Facebook, look at pictures of their kids. I don't, they don't even have to know, right? Like we're the weirdest, most sketchy, creeping on people society ever. But we are so connected. And it's really good right now, right now. Hey guys, there's people on Facebook hanging out with us. Isn't that cool? And, and a lot of you have done that. You've been on vacation. You've been sick. It's, it's nice. It's a great tool. But there's no substitute for real in-person community. It's not. I mean, it, it might be something that you can lean on for other things, but it's not a substitute. So we live in this society that simultaneously we're most connected. We're also like one of the loneliest societies ever. Depression rates are through the roof. Suicide rates are so high. Marriages are falling apart because the spouses are isolated from one another. Like all these things are happening. Why? How? And I don't know why. There's a couple things that come to my mind. Uh, you know, first of all, just modern conveniences. I mean, like just simple things. I don't know if you think of this as modern convenience, but like there used to be a day where like you just lived in a field and your neighbor was in the field next door and, you know, you'd work together and you'd share like the crop and the harvest. Now we're like privacy fence and garage doors and security systems and rings and I want to watch everything that happens in my neighborhood. We're so terrified all the time. We are just the scaredest culture ever. We're scared of everything, man. Just the sky is falling. And so what do we do? Well, we also have our own personal cars that we drive in, sometimes with our masks on, and we keep ourselves, <laughs> it's dangerous out there, guys, and we take ourselves everywhere without a passenger because we're so privileged, and we never interact, we don't carpool, it's inconvenient, right, this is just the modern convenience, this technology, I mean, something simple as air conditioning and heating, uh, that, it, it has ruined a couple of generations of us, because we just can't go outside, with, oh, and our grandparents are like, you kidding me? Like, I used to pick tobacco in this, like, for fun. It was like, it's after work. Can we keep picking tobacco? Like, like so that, like, modern conveniences have made us more likely to not interact because we're inside and there's 5,000 channels on your cable if you have that. And then, like, then you've got all your streaming channels and you can watch anything on demand. My kids will not sit through a commercial. It's like, skip, 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 skip. Like, you got to watch the commercials. How else are you going to know what McDonald's has got on sale this week? Like, you got to know, right? But these, these conveniences that are going online shopping is like, you don't even have to go to the grocery store anymore. Amazon, like, maybe we should just stop, okay? Like, man, we delivered, we had so much stuff ordered for this building, and it all got delivered to my house, and I think my mailman hates me. Um, I think I owe him a Christmas present. Like, he's just, like, pushing junk out. Like, one day I walked out, I was like, you don't have to bring that up to the house. He's like, Pfft. he didn't, he's like, I'm not bringing this to the house, just pushed it out. I was like, cool. All right. Um, but am I, am I talking to anybody today? Like, are you seeing this? Yeah, we're not dumb. We see it. We know it. But we live in it because it's our world, and, and we were not created to live alone. We're better together. Guys, we're the church. The church is people sharing life together that's aimed at Jesus. In fact, that's why Jesus came to earth as a human. He said, I want to put on skin and I want to be like you because I want to share life with you. Jesus wants to be able to clearly say, I'm not asking you to do anything that I haven't already done myself. And then he wants us to be incarnate also, be in the flesh with people, be in their lives. One of the biggest lessons I've learned about being stronger together is like, like if you're really going to be in Christian community, it's going to get messy. I mean, it's going to be so messy. And you're not always going to have black and white answers. One thing the church has probably improperly taught our culture is this, like, man, there's someone angry on a stage yelling at you, and they are always right. 
I never want to be that pastor. Because life is complicated. Life is messy. That's why God's Holy Spirit comes along to aid us. That's why we have each other to discuss it and discern it together. It doesn't mean we got to be flipping about morality. No, no. No, God calls us to a super high standard of holiness, righteousness, a called out nature. That's who we are. But the only way to really achieve that is to do it together with the power of God's Holy Spirit in our life. And that's what Jesus came down to help provide for us. And so the first church that we read about in Acts chapter 2 says they broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Listen, there's a lot to be said about doctrine and theology. It's, it's important. There's so much in scripture. But do you know how Jesus started a movement and began to change the world? He just put people in the same place and said, look at me. And then like group by group by group, they're like, okay, well, what are we dealing with? <laughs> what is the issue we're dealing with? Let's, let's not dive into scripture and see what did the Bible say about this? What did Jesus teach about that? But we can't bar the gates to heaven to people who don't 100% agree with everything we agree with. <laughs> We can't bar the gates of heaven until people have read the entire Bible cover to cover. We can't bar the gates of heaven because someone comes from a different denominational group than us. We say, do you know Jesus? Can I tell you about his love, his grace, and his forgiveness? Okay, now let's walk together. And let's do the best we can to seek his righteousness. We're stronger together. So, so what do we do? What do we do? I, I, um, that's the lesson. <laughs> that's the lesson. We're stronger together. Um, I want to give some challenges and some things that we can do. And I think it'll speak to probably everyone in this room. Uh, the first thing is this. Like, maybe today's your first time. And I'm going to call you first time. And what I mean by first time is, like, maybe you're just not in Christian community right now. Or maybe you used to be, but I'm just not plugged in right now. Like, I don't know what it is, but you might consider yourself, like, new to this. Someone brought you here. You're a guest. Or you just showed up or whatever it is. It's your first time. Uh, I'm going to give you a really, really, really simple starting point. This is it. Come back next week. Come back next week. I was talking with my friend Kevin, who's a pastor in Goldsboro, Canvas Church, and he was talking this week about touch points and the importance of touch points. And what he meant by that was, like, think about your best relationships, and the better your relationships is, the more stories you can tell about times you hung out with them. Like thousands. Joe, man, Joe and I, I've known Joe since he was in middle school, right? And it's like, we have so many thousands of, of touch points. And so, compared to some of you that I maybe just met today or last week, and like, I like you, you seem cool. But there's no way that you have as much love for me and me have as much love for you as I have for someone like Joe. There's just so many more touch points. And if you want to build that with a group of people, look, you have to take initiative. You, you have to come back. You have to go to like chili cook-off. Not like you have to go to chili cook-off or you, you can't, you know what I mean? But like you, you have to go bowling. You have to come out on a Sunday night and work with the teens. Like you have to come and serve. Like you have to. Because like if you don't, you're just, a, you're just a visitor. But that's not what any of us want in life. We want family. We want community. We want fellowship. And that's a lot to ask if this is your first time. So this is all I'm asking. Come back next week. Or come back one more time. Maybe you're out of town next week. That's fine. But just come back. And while you're here, take a deep breath and say hey to somebody that you don't know. One of the biggest criticisms of church is like they're not hospitable enough. They didn't greet me. And granted, we should be a welcoming community. But like 
Sometimes you already have 37 friends and you're already introverted. And when the new person walks in, you're like, I can't, I can't. Like, we all have the same struggles, right? And so it does take initiative on your part. God wants this for you and we want this for you. Uh, that's the first one. The second one is this. Maybe you've been at Venture for a few weeks, few months, few years now, but you just like still just show up. And look, we're all in different places and that's fine. This is a safe place to grow. It's a safe place to explore your faith journey. But I got to tell you, like, put yourself out there. Like, try to get involved in a deeper level. We have a Sunday school class that meets with adults right now. Uh, y'all meet at, at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 9 o'clock, right here in the big long room in the common room. Um, just come. That's a safe group. Like, it's pretty small, and you could come. Just meet a few people. we got some small groups, and uh, there's a couple of us talking about some, like, discipleship groups that are going to be happening soon where you can, like, maybe just have a smaller group that you could plug in with. Uh, look for those opportunities. Uh, come to Chili Cook-Off on the 1st. Uh, see some college students in here. Uh, Perry and I, we're trying to commit to being on campus once a week. I think this week we're looking at Wednesday, 3 o'clock. We're going to be out behind the Fisher Student Center. Last week we had cookies. I don't know what we'll have this week, but come see it. It's like, if you're a college student, you know where Fisher is. Unless you're at Cape Fear, then, uh, like, Google it, and you can still find us. Um, but like, come, come hang with us. Uh, men's and women's retreats. In October, we've got, uh, I think, the, like the, the, the weekend around the 20th and then the weekend around the 27th. One is the ladies' retreat, one is the men's retreat. We haven't done a great job of really getting people to sign up because we've been doing everything we can just to get into this building. But like, it's open on the events page. You can go register. And so if you've been coming for a little while and you've heard about this stuff, like, just try. Just go. Like, in increase those touch points with people so that you can begin to build that community because when it's 10 years later and you've been spending time investing in that it's going to make a difference like any relationship you know this it's not going to be instant so learn about what we're doing and come hang with us and for those of us who are like already plugged in you feel like you got community can i encourage you to do something make the circle a little bit bigger next time if you're standing around and you're hanging out and you're talking just look for that person that you met you know them be like, hey, hey, let me introduce you to my friend Jeff. This is Jeff. He's a nice guy. He doesn't bite, but not all the time. Yeah, just sometimes. And, and make the circle a little bit bigger and invite them in. Breaking bread with people. Invite someone else to lunch today. You know what we don't have to do today? Y'all know. We don't have to tear down this building and put everything in a storage container. Yeah. We as a community are going to have more time to eat lunch after church together. <laughs> If that's all you do, and you're like, man, I've been wanting to get to know your family. Look, and if you invite somebody and they're like genuinely not free today, don't, don't be like, they rejected me. Be like, okay, cool. Maybe another time, right? Make the circle a little bit bigger. Invite people into your home. We are stronger together. As a church, we say we are God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents. And together, we shine the light of Jesus into the darkness of this world. Let me pray over us today.